Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. So much sleep. <laughs> Cheery Cranky, bastard, isn't he? Old Asian bastard. <laughs> you guys are Cheery bastard. He got through right. 24 practical. All right, so let's have a look. Uh, this know. week. 24 recruits, man, that's a lot. And 80%, you had the numbers right. Maybe we should take into the track. Maybe you can back the horses as well. No, I can. I will win if the recruits are the one running. <laughs> <laughs> we had one of those races and I won, didn't we? Does it? <laughs> We just talked about him backing the wrong horse for 10 years. So. <laughs> All right, guys. So today's um, wine wine is proudly sponsored by <laughs> Danola Cellars, straight from the garage. It's uh, brands... Jeez, uh, <laughs> I can't... I, can't. <laughs> I found the other 20%. Lair, brands Lair, it's a Kunawara. <laughs> it's called a 171. It's a 2012 <laughs> Cap Sav. Beautiful region of Australia. Now, I, I want to. I got a question. Oh, hang on. Finish introducing. So what's, what's, then your, I got a question. what's your question? What's your question? You well, it's, not the wine he, it's not the wine he brought, hmm? and I want to know why he was holding out on us. Holding out what? This wasn't the original wine you had. Oh, okay. Day. I'll tell you. I know. I know, I know that one because we we don't. This is actually one cheaper than why. This is actually cheaper than the other wine I bought. So the oh, other right. wine I bought, I must have, you know, had a bit of a pension a moment, or you know, I don't know, almost fifty. I didn't. Remember, or I forgot that I had bought that same wine previously. The yeah. other bottle that I had bought, which was uh, the Vicar. So I had actually forgotten I'd already bought so that. So it had wine. nothing to do with you thinking this wine was better than the Vicar and not worthy of us. Is that not what? No, not know, at all. Definitely not. No, not that at is all. so bad to think that, man. Well, I'm just asking the questions, no, no, mate. I'm here to ask questions. I'd actually all. be surprised if the Vicar wasn't a better wine. However, it uh, wouldn't have won last time. Yeah, have you ever won? A number of times. <laughs> what's, what's going on here today? Was it a bit, yeah. Just got did, questions, Did you not mate. sleep well last night? <laughs> did you not take a sleeping table? Is it either one? No, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You bring one good wine and uh, you think you can speak. Mate, that was what's pretty good. On, the, the, we might be on the first. was a good Pinot. Might might be be the first. You need to listen. You need to listen Pinot. carefully. His wine, right, could be beating yours. Could so be. he is yeah. now doing all he can could be. to have the other percentage on his side. All right, come on. Let's all let's right. taste this wine. Sorry, man. How dare I ask? No, by all means, by all means, ask away. Oh, look at that! Wow, dark, 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 dark cherry color. Look at that. Mm. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, well, one thousand I'd be surprised if this wasn't a good drop. One seven one. That's a commission you charge you. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> point one seven one. Mate. That's, a, <laughs> that's what he meant. He, yeah, he, he, he dropped the point. <laughs> oh, mate! Sorry, Cam. That Cam's is nice. Down, that's better. Have a little bit of cheddar. Cheddar. Mm. Does, does it have? Does it have that um, caramel taste to it? Bit of smoke. Mm. Bit of exhaust. That's nice. 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 Reasonably priced. I think it's. I know I had to swap bottles. I think that's about seventy dollars a bottle or something. But okay. So I had to bring the better bottle because we were. I picked the. the supposed person to be over hundred, mate. And this I, person I, is. I was supposed to be over hundred, but I doubled up on the. Uh, the 
bottle right. So, all right, the person is David Goggins. David Goggins is uh, an American, and he's a, another one that's alive still, another person that's alive. Yeah. David he, fucking Goggins. Yeah, so if you ever speak to him, he swears every second word, a lot like, lot like our friend Cameron, who's tamed it down a fair bit since uh, we started. But, uh, yeah, uh, did you do a bit of... Who is he, you mate? You've got to introduce him. That can was a horrible introduction. Who right. is he? So David Goggins is a... Uh, African-American gentleman who is 46 years of age and he's one of very few people to be a Navy SEAL, an Airborne Ranger. He's also passed quite a few other military sort of, what do you call them? Oh, this is good, yeah, good. I don't know what you Can you do them. the eulogy yeah. at my funeral? Absolutely, mate. Good, mate. It'll <laughs> be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Pick up your shovel, boys. Let's get him covered. Um, so now it, and he, he's turned to... Um, Ultra marathon race, racing, so he holds a lot of records. He's an ultra endurance athlete and a complete nutcase, from what. Yeah, what and, he's, and, he's, and he's a freak. And he's a freak when he when it comes to uh, what he's achieved. He holds life. a world record for chin ups, four thousand and thirty. Two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, yeah four thousand and thirty chin ups. Yeah, four thousand and thirty chin ups. Yeah. So, Is he in, only... in in short, his life as a child was extremely violent, and the family was well off, but the father was an absolute tyrant. Um, he hated his father. Uh, they grew up in a in Buffalo in America, and um, his dad had roller skating rinks and uh, nightclubs. And his dad would run prostitutes from Canada to America, and wasn't a nice guy. Um, at the age of, I think he says seven or eight, he saw his father hold a gun to his mother's head, and uh, his dad said to him one day, "Don't go on the road." His bike tire just touched the the road, and his dad beat the living shit out of him. So he had a very, very hard upbringing. Should have listened. <laughs> his um, mother eventually Touched escaped. My car. Um, <laughs> his mother eventually escaped, and um, so he moved on. And but he had a lot of issues growing up. But Cam, you know a bit about him as well. You've have you read his book? I haven't read the book. No, I've, I've, I've been listening to him for a while. He's a bit of a regular on the Joe Rogan Experience, yep. and um, so there's anyone who wants to learn more about him. He tells his whole life story twice over three hours, so six hours of listening, and it's pretty extraordinary. He'd, he'd be known to a lot of people for just a ranting, raving lunatic on Instagram who's swearing at people all the time for not getting up and running 100 miles a day, which is it's quite literal. The bloke runs yeah. marathons every single day of the week. But it's not where he came from, and the, and the biggest story in him is where he came from. And he, um, as Chris alluded on, he had, a, he had quite a rough upbringing. When his mum eventually left his dad for all the stuff that was going on, they went to a... A place in Louisiana that only had 10 black families in the whole town of yep. 10,000 and the Ku Klux Klan used to march at the Independence Day rallies there so he, he had to deal with quite a lot of racism growing up. Um, his dad didn't believe in school so he was extremely uneducated. He had a speech impediment from the age of three. He dad didn't know how to read and write. Um, That's why he had to work. So yeah, so he, at the he, age of six. He had for, to work instead of going to school. Uh, skate ring. Yep. So all the issues that, that came along with that in... In his words, he, he had to create two people. That, well, not create two people. He had to create a second David Goggins because the the one that he was was scared, insecure, quitted everything, didn't think he'd ever amount to much, and he's, he created this persona as a tough guy that no one wanted to, to mess with. And, and eventually throughout his life, he, he actually turned into the tough guy that no one wanted to mess with. But the, the trials that he went through, he's the only only person in history to have 
to go through Hell Week to get into the Navy SEALs three times in the one year. Yeah, three times. But before that, he, he was too fat to make the Air Force um, and too dumb to make the Air Force. So, And that was from is, having to cheat all his life. So yeah. he got through school by cheating from other people's Copied every exam, exam to junior, junior high school. And then when it came to do the entrance exam for the Air Force, he got that lower score. He got 20, they need to be up over 50. He got 20 his first time. He got 18 the second time yep. and he only had one more shot at it. And um, Even though his mum could only afford to pay $30 a month for the house they were renting in, she managed to find him a tutor for one hour a month, a month for six it. months and he managed to pass that exam. And during that period, at the same period, he dropped the weight. So he was No, like, not yet, bro. No, he, he got into the Air Force first and then he wanted to be a SEAL but he's got a... He, People who don't understand Navy SEALs do a lot of stuff oh, in the water right, and he's, right. he's got a uh, a phobia, a, a huge phobia of, of water and he, he couldn't make the SEALs the first time so he went and took a job in the Air Force that didn't involve water but he put on 165 pounds during that time. He then quit that because he was 165 pounds and, and chocolate milkshakes were his favourite poison so he went for a job as a pest controller and started working as a pest controller and it sort of, there was back and forth between the weight his fears and pest controlling in the army for a few times before he eventually made it into the the Navy SEALs. But um, it took him a while to get there, and he had to cut a lot of weight, pass a few exams, and to get through the SEALs. Hell Week, he was the only person, like you said, to do Hell Week three times. And he said Hell Week was the biggest thing that wrecked his body, regardless of all the marathons he did and all the chin up competitions he did. The hell week, the three hell weeks, are the ones that took the biggest toll on his body. Well, he quit the first time. He, he quit the first time. He got diagnosed with celiosis, uh, I think was the disease which can kill you. And uh, when they told sickle him... Sickle cell. Sickle cell. When they told him he'd have to start the course again because he'd missed a week of it, he quit. And he, he he's, a, he's an interesting dude because based on a lot of the stuff that we talk about on a regular basis, especially from the Stoic book, his self-talk is not good. No, <laughs> like, no. His, the way he talks to himself or about himself is not good, but he fuels that hate for himself or that shame for himself to turn him... He's now turned him into self, the, the complete antithesis of who he was, which a lot of people find inspiration from, but I think if you dig a bit deeper, it's caused more issues than, than not because there's a bit of him that's forgotten where he came from and, and we talked in an earlier segment about putting your expectations on other people. He... He has a disdain for people who don't work hard and don't have that work ethic, and he, he admits freely that's caused a lot of issues in his life. When he was in He's Afghanistan, he was actually in charge of physical training. Like in Afghanistan, all the SEALs, it's a voluntary thing to go and do the physical training with him. But he used to push people that hard beyond reason that within a month he would only have three or four guys out of like 50 that were there doing the, the PT. And the CEO had to call him in and say, mate, you need to ease up. Need to ease up, and you're exactly right in saying. And he's like, if this is what I want to do, they need to be doing it. And it was a big learning curve for him. The reason I picked him was, if you haven't listened, he's got a he's got a book out called "You Can't Fucking Hurt Me." Right? It was "You Can't Hurt Me," and uh, he actually does a podcast with the guy who actually wrote the book for him. Um, while the guy's narrating the book, it's a fantastic audio book and simultaneous podcast at the same time. It is long; it goes for about eight hours. But there are so many lessons within that, which are, are fantastic. Talks about his childhood, then coming into when he was in the Navy, in the, into the Army, and then into ultra marathons. I think he's 
the biggest reason is this guy's resilience and ability to go internalize his pain, like you were saying, in the, in his mind. And he goes, your mind is your greatest tool, is your greatest weapon, is your mind, bar none. To the fact that when he was yeah, doing but that's nothing new. But for him, he, like, so the fact when he was doing his buds training was like a basic underwater demolition training in the seals. Yeah. One of the things was to go down to the bottom of the pool to undo three knots. And the instructor was there, would be down there with you. So he would stay down there a little bit longer. So the instructor needed to go up for air rather than him. And he, that was for him a little victory. So he would use those little things like little victories even to enjoying the fact when they were doing push-ups and sit-ups and whatever else, where the trainers got the shits with him because he was enjoying the punishment that they were giving him. He's almost a sadistic mindset like He that. turned his pain into pleasure. None of his ideas are, I think as Thomas was just about to get at, none of his ideas are particularly new. He takes it to a level that I haven't seen before yep. and I don't know if it's something we can debate. Like He uses self-hate to drive him. Freely admits that, and I don't know how healthy that is because how healthy is it at 46 years of age to be running 205-mile ultramarathons anyway? Like, I, don't, I don't think you're going to run yourself into the ground. It. But I don't think he still no, he does. does. He's, he's, he's still actively doing yeah, it. Yeah, mate, he's, he runs a, a marathon a day. And this is a guy who had uh, shin splints? And he cops a lot of grief for it, yeah. And he, his social media is, is a huge mix of inspiration and people just giving it to him because he'll run through... Yeah, I remember watching Death one Valley. where he was, he was running down the street in Las Vegas and it was 50 degrees outside and he's calling everyone a bitch and, what are you doing today, sitting on your couch? You, mate, you're running in 50 degree fucking heat, it's stupid. But yes, I'm sitting on my couch eating a pizza. <laughs> what of it? <laughs> so, But it's an interesting concept he's got and I guess he hasn't forgotten where he come from because he very well talks about it, but he's, his lack of respect for people who are in the same position who haven't quite got his drive to do something about it is interesting. Under what we were just talking about, about forgiving people for they don't know sort of things. Yeah. I, for, for me, I think where it's interesting is he is a black kid who used to be bashed by his father, which in America or in a lot of families where, call it families, e even in mine probably, where kids are almost the flag bearer for their parents. Yeah. And they bashed and traumatized and probably we call it in, in this society abused. But uh, is it abuse or is it parents' way of making sure that you, you never end up like me? He grows up to show the same kind of disdain and hate for people. He grows up to espouse the work ethics that his father had pushed him into getting. Yeah. Right? He says he hates his father, but he grows up becoming the instrument that his father has done. Now, what was interesting for me to ask you guys is, there's a guy by the name of Carl Bashir, who was the first black American master diver. A great movie made about him. There's a movie, uh, Men of Honor. He too was abused by his father, maybe not to that extent, and but chose to go to a totally different direction, right? goes into the Navy just to prove it to himself and prove it to a white man that, you know, he can be their equal and take a totally different road, the road of respect, the road of the high grounds, the, the moral value pursuit, if you will. So how do you explain that we have these kind of divergence? 
and for someone not to see, mate, everything I hate, that's what I'm doing now. Mm. And I'm loving it. You tell me. Yeah. We've just talked about forgiveness, right? And and we well, I think it, it might have been last week or only the, the podcast before where we spoke about using anger and hate to drive you will only get you so far. It's, I don't think it's a bad starting point. If you need something to get your ass up off the couch, why not be about proving someone wrong? But it's not healthy for it to be sustained for that long, I think. I don't know if there'd be any argument on that. And I go back to what I just said, being 46 years old and put your body through what he's putting his body through out of hate. It's perceived hate because, as Thomas is saying, he's doing it because he hated his old man and he hated himself. He's everything. He is everything that he hated. And he was that, though. And so there's no self-acceptance in it. There's but no is, is, could it be? Could it be? I, I don't know, right? I'm asking a question about a, a person who's alive who could actually maybe contact us and tell us, uh, you guys are full of shit, this is what I am. Beautiful. Like, is he, is he trying to emulate what his dad wanted him to become to earn his deserving, even though maybe he's no longer around? There's plenty of people who've lost 150 pounds without the vitriol and the hate and the... the I, I, I don't... I, it's not I, me. I, I didn't see <laughs> that he's. I, I didn't. In my take on it, I didn't take out that he he's become who he hated. I didn't see that. I, I saw that he's reveled in the self growth, the torturing himself to move beyond pain. I'm not torturing himself, but the growth to move beyond pain to be able to. So he'd be good in Abu Ghraib getting tortured, but what other life skills are in that? There, there's resilience there, but there's. But with that. He's used what he had to the best of his ability. For So, for example, when he's gone through, he finally become a SEAL and he become an instructor and they realised that we could use him elsewhere. He'd become a recruiter and started being a very good recruiter. Would talk to the masses about what actually happens when you go through pain and what's written in the books is one thing, but what actually happens and what the process you go through in your head is another and how to chase that and how to follow it and how to go past the 40% limit that most people think they get to. Once you pass that 40%, you can achieve a lot more. I don't think he paid much mind to his dad once he moved beyond that. I think there was the continual growth. I think he was quite sadistic to himself that wanted to continually put himself and better himself through being amongst the elite. Like, how many people are in ultra marathons? How many people have done, you know, the SEAL training and the airborne rangers and... He says it's out of fear of being ordinary. No, it's not. Because if you listen to him talk, he says three or four times inside 40 minutes on one of the podcasts, uh, all the shit with my dad and all the stuff with the racism, he, he keeps repeating that. So everything he does is, is, in his mind, running away from that, which means he can't say he hasn't given his dad a second thought because everything, in by his own admission, all his fears, be because, the same place, all okay. his fears were because of that. And, and everything he does is to, to, not be same, to, to not be in the same place. Now, he does talk about what well, the biggest turning point was the day he realised that he was blaming his dad and he was blaming everyone else for the piece of, in his words, the piece of shit that he is. Yeah. And, you know, he made a decision to change and he tells a story about how he decided he was going to go and run four miles but he could only run a quarter of a mile and he broke down in tears and went to his mum and got another milkshake and then he put Rocky One on and... Long story, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's he's everything he's driven out of hatred and self loathing. Okay. I think within that he's though, still he's still at his age and, and this is only sort of a 
honest crusade, this only sort of realization I've come to as we've started talking about it, and as you know, a couple of wines in. But I'm going, fucking, hang on a minute. Is it inspiration, or is it a guy who hated himself, or maybe still hates himself, but still running from something? Because at some point, you got to stop and and give yourself a hug and go, it's okay, mate. And and then understand when people can't get off the couch because not everyone can get off the couch and run a fucking ultra marathon mate forgive, I mean, forgive your dad yeah. for he does not know no you know and, and he's not a stoic there's no question <laughs> and i think he's i think he's scared he'll use it in his own words he'll use it as going he'll he'll go if i do that i've gone but soft let, let, let's he, go he's, his biggest saying is stay hard I, I stay hard i i thought that it was a very good opportunity for the topic that goes with our stoic of of the week because how many of us really become the best version of ourselves. How many of us are nothing else but a consequence of our education and a repetition of what our fathers and mothers feared or didn't want to happen, you know? Yep. How many of us are nothing else but running off from a software that was computed mm. by our parents? I think there's heaps of people who think they're running at the best version of themselves without knowing what the best version of themselves could actually be. Yeah. Every idea we have has been given to us by somebody else. Everything we think has been governed Social by... Social conditioning, well, whatever, yeah. Your parenting, absolutely. your education, everything. So if you think the best version of yourself is this part-time job here making $20 an hour and whatever, and if you think if you think that's the best you can be, then you're probably sitting there going, yeah, I've, I've done all right, without actually realising your true capacity. And he, he talks about that, and I think that's a good thing. He says that people don't realise where their body can actually go. And he actually says that he doesn't want to stop. He wants, he says that I'm extremely happy with my his life. He's he's very very happy with his life, but he doesn't want to stop. There's always the next thing. There's always something else. I can always yes, be better. because as long improve. as you're running, as, uh, you it, can't. You don't have to sit in your own. He you're evading, and you don't have to deal with. You don't that. have to sit in your own skin for long enough to. But by when you're running, man, there's a lot of silent hours that you're on the footpath. You can think. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, oh, but, but that's pain, pain takes it away. Yeah, like, no, I think there's a lot of self-searching when you're out I'm there. I'm not talking as long as you're running, like physically, right? I'm talking about he goes trying from to, trying to achieve one thing and the next something. achievement, and next achievement, next achievement. And there are people in life who are really running away from that side of education. They say they don't like, but that's actually shaped them. We oh, talk oh. about it in so we we. We spend a lot of time, and I think you spoke, mentioned it last podcast, people not being happy with what they've got, so they're always chasing the new thing. Yeah, right? the next thing, yeah. All that he's doing is doing it in a sense that's health and fitness, so everyone goes, oh, that's okay, because yeah. he's not buying a new car, he's not buying a new house, but he's, I've just done 4,030 chin-ups, now I've got to find something else to do. It's the same routine of yeah. nev- not being happy with yeah. where you're at, yeah? I hear what you're saying with, with this guy, though. I think... There's points in his life that he turns off technology. He actually disconnects from the world to spend time with his own head. So whether that's to... It's an angry, angry place. <laughs> well, I'm not dissing uh, a bloke. Like, he'd kick the shit out of me, and I'm not dissing him, but it's important that we see... No, absolutely. But everyone's allowed their, their opinion, 100%. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the guy, to me, he's seen someone who's got a lot of resilience, uh, a lot of growth, a lot of a retrospect on what he's where he's come from and where he wants to be, where he wants to go. Yeah, I don't that's think good. he knows be- where he's but going. But me, I see it different. I see it as someone who's imprisoned by his past. Okay. His fear of his past. And who is now finding a little bit of contentment in life through his physical 
strength and uh, his physical gift. And as long as it's working, I would say he won't have a problem. I probably would dread the day it won't happen again. Because by that, he either needs to reinvent himself or he will self-sabotage and self-destruct. He will, he will die. And there's, very, there's a few times in here that he's come close to self-sabotaging. For example, it was discovered he had a hole in the heart. He had a, a heart defect. Disease, that he, yeah. he had a hole in his heart and he didn't know that. The day before he went in for an operation, he went and did a, um, a bloody run. Uh, I think he called it a rack run, a ruck run, where he yeah, had a backpack a on for 20 miles carrying 25 kilos. He goes, because I knew I couldn't run afterwards. I think that was a, a selfish move because he has his wife and his, a, I don't know, one or two kids now. He keeps his private life quite private. So I think he's very selfish, selfish at the same time. Don't give it like I, I put his podcast on on the way down here to listen to some of it again and it makes you want to run through a wall and it'd be great for before a game of footy and... Be great before getting in a boxing ring, and for people who are after five minutes of motivation on Instagram, you know we've talked before about the people who pay thousands of dollars to go and do courses and are revved up for two days and then go back to their old habits. I'd the more I talk and the more I think about it, I don't know if his way his way of life definitely isn't sustainable for the average person. But he says that, but he considers the average person as mediocre, and I don't think that's healthy either because. As we said before, we shouldn't be putting our expectations onto other people unless they're playing the same game, right? which is maybe when he's in Afghanistan, he's got the right to put the expectations on the people who are fighting the war beside yeah. him. But to put his expectations on the human race as general as, as being mediocre and soft because they're going through shit in life. Yeah. Look, he's done some good in his life. I mean, not only representing his country, I mean, in the military, but he's also raised over $2 million for uh, the children of fallen seals. So he's... Um, been part of that fund. So there's a few uh, sayings that I really picked up. I, one I thought that I was really good was be uncommon amongst uncommon people. So find a group of really top performers and outperform them. Be uncommon amongst the uncommon people. Which mm -hmm. I thought it was fantastic. If you want that, though. No, absolutely. Uh, if you want to. But even if you want to be the best bricklayer, find the best bricklayers and then be the best amongst the best. Does being the best version of yourself mean being the best at what someone else is good at? Well, you'd, you'd have to compare that to something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be, there'd be a bar there to, of, no, of the standards? the best you can be, because there's only one you. Where we all sell houses in this room, we're probably all at different but levels. majority of people fall back to the common denominator, right? We are the sum of the majority of the people we hang around. So yeah, to be the best of you, uh, wouldn't you be better think, than hanging around think, better people? I don't people? think fighting to be the best person in every room you ever walk into, I don't, I don't know where that ends, because they're... Oh, that, I know exactly where that ends. You know? You'll kill yourself. Because you can never be... You'll be so unhappy. One day you're going to walk into a room and, and there's someone better than you. Yeah, you'll be so unhappy. There's always... So, yeah, I don't know. don't know. And it's it's it just full disclosure. I'd Thanks. listen and do his podcast and reading about him and I've followed him for a while. He, he, he gives me that five-minute bit of inspiration that I need sometimes. So to sit here and talk like this about it is only a very, as of five minutes ago, sort of revelation that, hang on, what this dude's doing probably isn't the healthiest way about going about life, you know. The way he talks about himself, that's hard, man. That's hard. But that's his, his, his whole saying is stay hard. Any, anything less than what he's doing is soft, and I don't know if that's, that's... Well, we do know. I keep saying I don't know. I don't think that's the... Healthy for people. However, we, there seems to be in society for the moment 
that. Um, but probably more people like him than more the pussies that are running around crying about yeah, absolutely well, everything. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's yeah. a search for those people who are doing things that we can't do. So yeah. and and in that respect, I have to say, uh, he's doing a lot of things that we can't do, mm. and uh, that's fantastic. Hundred percent. I I like. Especially when we just walked out from a stoic thing, I, I, I like to look at a person as a person. Is is my life about becoming the uh, best bricklayer? Is is my life about uh, c- comparing myself and reducing myself to just bricklaying, or is bricklaying least just a part of my life? And then there's so many other parts that you can be better than me at bricklaying, but then at every other part of your life be behind me. So who's better then? Mm. So I. I think we can't we can't have a reduction reductionist view of of life and as a human being. Doing your best, not being the best. You, the object in everything we do is to do your best, the best that you can do. Doesn't or, and is very rarely going to um, translate into being the best. I think one of the things he says though is a lot of people don't realise how good they can be because most people stop at forty percent. They get to forty yeah. percent and that's where they stop. We talk, I get I get that, but when but when fast. he trains those people. And he he called forty eight out of fifty. How how much is he really doing to get the other forty eight to be the best they can be? Oh. You know. So when he's doing that, I then look at: Are you doing what your father's doing now onto these people and make them pay for it, or are you really doing the best you can in elevating them? Because shouldn't that be eighty percent pass mark rather than eighty percent failure? I mean, in this case, it's even more than that. They obviously, in this case, it's ninety-six percent failure. You know, so and if if this this is why for me, I I I see and I admire his uh, athleticism, uh, his physical achievement. His drive, but I think that that's that's the only place it's it's not for me because even his drive to me is not positively geared. His drive, he's running on. He's hate. a runaway from something, and 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 that, that kind of hate. Therefore, yeah. I'm going to show you. I, I I don't know whether I could really relate to that. Well, Thomas could never run an ultra marathon. That's what we know. Yes, trouble ultra. running to the fridge. Seriously. <laughs> 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 However, I do not define my life in, in for marathon. All right, and I think it's important. Like, uh, it's not a bad pick, Crusoe. Don't feel like we're piling no, no, no. on because I think it's important that we. Can pull apart. With this guy, I knew there was a lot of negatives, and I, I think he's very selfish. Oh, I, think no, I, I think that you've done a good pick. I think it's a very good pick. I think it's very selfish. I think sometimes it's we always pick good ones. Yeah, I think it's important we always pull apart the people, even when we think we're good ones, because mm. it's you know it's important that just because everyone else gets inspired by someone, if we can look a little bit deeper and go, and here's a perfect example. Hang on, this bloke's running on hate. You know, John Lennon was running on LSD. It's not all good. It's not all roses just because Instagram says it is. And I think that's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What well up, mate? That wine was. Yeah, I think your, your wine's, your wine's amazing. Oh. Amazing. Your wine, your wine was good. I'm still very sorry. happy with my pick. I'm not saying it's better, but. This, that, but for, for a pin, it's gotten oh, better. We can vote. So, yeah. is, is Chris Wine better than. Who says it's Chris Wine? <laughs> It's good. You're, yeah. the deciding, you're the deciding vote. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you you know where the, I'm going. You're going for your wine, is I it? I like my wine, bro. No, that's very good. <laughs> no, well, I well don't done. like heavy Well reds, done, mate. Chris. Thank you very much. All well done, boys. Talk See soon. ya, man. Awesome.